Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once more, and sadly in many ways, to the Dogs Program, because we are the defenders of government schools. And we, would hope, we were hoping in the last week, hoping against hope, that um, people would stop attacking public schools. Um, the federal government would stop, would stop attacking, um, the state government would stop attacking them, the, the churches would stop attacking state schools. Um, various corporate interests would stop sort of circling like hyenas or vultures and wishing to profit off state schools. We hoped all that stuff would happen in the last week, and um, unfortunately it didn't. It didn't happen at all. And so we have to come on the air and defend government schools. That's why we are the dogs, the D-O-G-S. So you get to hear from us every week, and we go through some very interesting processes because we are now living the curse um, of, of being in interesting times. I was talking to a friend of mine, he said, has it ever occurred to you that we're in that book chapter, you know, when you read the history books, we're in that book chapter that usually has the title, Factors Leading To. Um, there's this real sense of something's about to happen, you know, factors leading to the First World War, or <laughs> factors leading to the Great Depression, or factors leading to the French Revolution. Um, will, will the centre hold? Yes. Then so, there's chaos on the outer edges. Will the centre hold? There's yeah. a lot of people up in the fire ravaged re- regions of New South Wales who are wondering whether the centre will hold. Well, I think they're wondering if the government actually has a function in their lives that has of any, any particular benefit to them. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Um, that being sort of a broader picture of why we're here, um, government schools are being attacked and so we have to defend them. Um, so we highlight... Um, all sorts of terrible things that are going on. But we don't just do bad things, we do good things as well. Every week we have our regular segment about what people, what real people in the state school are doing, what teachers, what kids, what parents, what the community does in a particular school around this great country of ours. I sound very patriotic, but if you do actually look, in, go, look inside what happens in the state schools, it gives you enormous heart. It gives you enormous optimism, actually, and takes you out of all the gloom and doom in the world today if you actually look at what goes on inside many state schools. And we will take a detailed look inside a great state school later in the program. However, having said that, there's some significant issues on the table at the moment. Um, I'll be talking to you a little bit later about this whole religious freedom bill, which I just cannot believe doesn't go away. I think it's one of the silliest things that politicians have spoken about in over a generation. And um, Justice Kirby agrees with me. He just doesn't think it's silly. He thinks it's bloody dangerous. 
Um, and Justice Kirby used to be a judge on the High Court, interesting fellow, and we'll hear in his words later in the program about what he thinks about what religious freedom is all about. Now, on the dogs, we do talk about religious freedom a great deal because oh, a significant proportion of the children in this country are educated in private religious schools. And in those schools, um, they do things mysteriously, like, like they teach Catholic mass, uh, sorry, Catholic maths, or indeed some of that they might teach Anglican English because there's this sort of whole precedence that the child must have a religious education and must not be tainted um, by the values of a secular society. And so therefore we have children um, being educated separate from the secular ideal in many ways in religious schools. And so therefore the idea of religious freedom sometimes impinges upon our education system. Our principal objection to this, and I'm sorry for going on about it, and if you've heard this before, I'm afraid I'm going to have to say it again, is that I'm forced to pay for it. And um, if anyone who knows me knows me, I'm a skinflint. I don't like paying for anything. I certainly, as a taxpayer, don't like paying for a religious person, strangely and often and particularly a man, a religious man, um, wishes to educate a child in religious ways. That's not my business, and I shouldn't be footing the bill for that. Um, and I shouldn't be footing the bill for private schools, basically, whether they have religious, religious um, affiliations or not, because functionally there's a very good state school system that's underfunded that needs sorting out, and we're here to defend it. Having said all of that, um, I'm now going to introduce you to one of the things that I find the most exciting about the DOGS program, which will be Jean's press release. It won't necessarily be about what Minister Kirby says, but there are some very funny things going on when it comes to education and politics in Australia. And Jean, your press release, press release number, what is it? 817. I always forget. I should remember from week to week. That's a lot of press releases. Uh, We've been here defending schools for a while. But this one, I'm really interested to find out. Tell us all about it, Jean. Yes, uh, the coalition government is shameless. This is the Canberra government. It's shameless on inequitable funding of public education. Although the figures are on the record an infrastructure evidence alongside government indifference to disadvantaged children. They're all in plain sight. The coalition government is shameless when it comes to public education funding. The creation of distractions with bans on mobile phones, teacher bashing as Australian students fall behind in international testing and royal commissions of inquiry There haven't been any Royal Commissions of Inquiry into public education funding, and perhaps there should be. They've all failed to mask one simple fact. The private school funding growth rate has almost doubled the public school growth rates in the decade 2009 to 2018. And remember, 2008 was when the capitalist system failed. Dismally, we had a crisis. People might forget it. We had a crisis in 2009. The capitalist system almost folded. Now, Anne Carey of Channel 9, which is once the Fairfax media, namely The Age, he's prepared to publicise the figures. The blatant preferential treatment of private schools, which has been going on since state aid was given back in 1973, it continued even after the public schools began to increase their share of overall enrolments at the expense of the private sector, and that happened in 2015. 
This is what they've been trying to do since 1978, listeners. In 1978, there there was almost 80% of children in Australia in public schools. The actual private school enrolment was the lowest it's ever been. And so they pushed and pushed and pushed more money into the private sector, particularly into the Protestant non-Catholic sector, so that their share of enrolment would increase. And it did. And there's been billions and billions of dollars pushed into this system so that the enrolments of the public schools would be less. But now, in spite of all those billions and billions of dollars, the actual parents are starting to wake up and they are sending their children back to the public system. But the unequal funding has continued and escalated. As well as that... In the last week, we've discovered that the public schools have been excluded from the Morrison government's 10 million education drought funding, which is, you know, that's beyond even shameless. Now, first of all, let's talk about the growth rate, the private school funding growth rate that has almost doubled the public school rates in this last decade. The Australian Education Union has done an analysis of the most up-to-date data published by the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority, otherwise known as ACARA. So these figures are in plain sight and they are on the record. And these figures show that the government funding per public school student grew 27.3% between 2009 and 2017. But that compares with 49.1% growth per student in the Catholic sector and 52.3% at independent schools, so-called independent. We call them dependent schools. Now, the Victorian growth figures are similarly weighted in favour of the non-government or the private school sector, with funding for each state school student growing 20.9% between 2009 and 2017, compared with 43.5% funding growth per Catholic school student and 47.6% for the so-called independent school students. So you see how the coalition in government in Canberra even is favouring the non-Catholic so-called independent, we call them dependent schools in the private sector. Now, the AEU is calling on the Morrison government to commit more money to the public system, arguing the government school students are being shortchanged. So what does Dan Tien respond? His response is that the federal government funding for government schools has grown, he claims, at a much faster rate than state government funding for government schools. So he pushes the buck down the line to the state government. Uh, and, but Karina Haythorpe of the AEU responded to this by saying that two out of every three students attend public schools, yet the Morrison government has ensured that 99% of public schools are not going to reach the schooling resource standard by 2023. The schooling resource standard is the standard by which uh, Gonski, for example, uh, decided that a child uh, should reach, the funding, funding for each child should reach 
So the public schools are behind the eight ball there. And the Victorian Education Minister, James Merlino, because Mr Tian was saying, well, they're not coming to the party with enough money, he has also responded and said that the Andrews government has invested an unprecedented $12.9 billion in schools since it was elected. Uh, his position, he said, has been consistent, and namely that the Commonwealth funding model is fundamentally unfair and Victoria will continue advocating for a fair funding deal which sees all students, government and non-government students, treated equally. Uh, one of the readers of the Channel 9 Fairfax article by Adam Carey also responded as follows. His name was Alexander Zed and he said... Unfortunately, we're locked into this ridiculous system. Both my kids went to a high-fee-paying private school uh, from the early years until year 12 and have since gone to a very high levels of university education. But the truth is that their private school education was not that relevant. They learnt most of their critical skills in a learning-engaged family environment. The best thing would be to deliver all this funding to the public system, creating a better system for everybody. If people want private schools, then they can pay the real fees, not subsidised by the taxpayer. And before anyone comments about this socialist view, consider whether taxpayers propping up a system that can't actually be viable on its own is in fact socialism. So I thought that was quite an interesting uh, letter. Later on... Uh, we will hear from other comments. And the interesting thing about the comments in The Age on this article was that it was, they were almost all, I think they would be between 70 and 80% uh, saying that there should be no money given to private schools, which I found very interesting. Now, the second thing that has happened in the last week that really exposes the Morrison government as quite shameless, quite, quite shameless, quite frighteningly so, is what is happening to the 10 million education drought funding. Those of us who've been watching the ABC and the fires will have noticed that again and again in small hamlets, the centre of a small hamlet is the public school. And there are a large number of small hamlets that have lost their public schools. They've been burned down. But Mr Morrison has drought funding, he has education drought funding, and who is he giving that 10 million education drought funding to? Not a cent of it is going to the public schools. 3CR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. On 
Thursday 28th of November at 12pm, environment groups and communities from across Victoria will peacefully rally together at Parliament to call for urgent action for our natural world. After five years of the Andrews government, nature deserves more, especially in the face of climate change. Victorians need new and better funded national parks, stronger nature laws and better protection for our threatened forests, rivers, beaches, oceans and native plants and animals. We need real action for our natural places and wildlife now. Join in the Nature for Life rally. Bring a sign to highlight the natural places you love that deserve better protection. See you on Parliament Steps, Thursday 28th of November at 12pm. Look for Nature for Life Rally on Facebook and visit Victoria National Parks Association website vnpa.org.au forward slash rally. VNPA is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to the Dogs Program. And continuing on from the shamelessness of the Coalition Government, I told you before the break that... Mr. Morrison and Mr. Tian, his Minister for Education, have given $10 million in education drought funding, but not one penny of that is going to go towards the public education schools that are in those areas. No, it's only going to go to private schools. And the strange thing is that in so many of those little hamlets, there aren't any private schools. It's far too expensive. It's not a good business proposition to have a private school in a small hamlet. But the Education Department in Canberra has specified that the $10 million is only for private schools as a supplementary financial source for those schools which have, quote, introduced fee relief and or curtailed their operations to cope with this drastic situation. Well, this is just disgraceful. And the Australian Education Union says the decision is just another slush fund for private schools on top of the $1.2 billion choice and affordability fund for Catholic and so-called independent schools, which also included money for drought-relief, drought-affected areas. So it's, I, I must admit that I'm gobsmacked that they could do this when in fact so many of those areas that have been uh, firebombed almost by these fires, they are not, they're not bushfires, they're firestorms. They have been stormed and the little schools have just been razed to the ground and there's no money in Canberra for putting back those schools into those communities. The mind just boggles as to the as to the mentality of these people in Canberra. Dogs note that Dan Tien and most of his coalition colleagues have lived closed, coddled lives in the upper reaches of an increasingly hierarchical society. As a graduate of the Catholic system, Tian does not appear to have any knowledge, consideration or even awareness of the problems of the major public systems responsible for the education of two-thirds of Australian children. He represents a government that only can be called irresponsible and shameless. So that's the dog's position 
on what is happening with education funding from Canberra. And they're not alone. There are a large number of comments to the article about the inequitable funding, and I'll ask uh, Dale to read out some of these very interesting comments. Yeah, thanks, Dale. You're listening to the Dogs Program here on um, 3CR 855 on the AM dial. A little break, and we'll, we'll hear. It's important because in many years gone by, the dogs have been part of 3CR Community Radio, which many people regard as being out on the edge of of politics and society, but quite frankly, um, a lot of the things that 3CR now does um, are part of the mainstream. And so these comments aren't from um, 3CR subscribers. These, these comments you're about to hear are from, oh, I think, what, um, what Mr Morrison would say would be the quiet Australians. Welcome back to the Dogs program. You're listening to the Dogs on 3CR, 855 AM. And, uh, yes, just about to re- read out some of these um, responses to the article Jean was talking about in The Age. Uh, the first response I've got uh, is from Dayanwana, who says, is quite succinct, says, power and privilege over education, the mantra of the conservative. And then uh, Professor Auntie Auntie Hoon says... Private schools are just that, privately owned businesses. They cannot be considered to provide an essential service any more than a grain farmer, dairy farmer or plumber. Yet we, the taxpayer, prop up none of those. All government funding should be stripped from these private businesses and redirected towards a robust, competent and respected public schooling sector, which is exactly what it would be without all those taxpayer dollars gifted to those financially and culturally exclusionist schools whose record-producing 
whose record producing clever, well-rounded adults is appalling given their advertised advantages. And then uh, a familiar name pops up and Jean says, the last half century attempt to privatise Australian education with user pays ideology or student pays has failed dismally. We are falling behind in international stakes. Our children are shortchanged at every level. Our society is becoming more and more unequal. A child is a future citizen of this country. Each and every one is important and should have an equal opportunity, not be placed into a society where chance depends upon their postcode. If parents fancy themselves and their children are owed more than others, then they can pay for it. Wrong way, go back. Or look to the Finnish, Scandinavian and German precedents. Stop state aid to all private schools and fund our public schools properly with taxpayer funds. Beattie says, so Morrison government gives money to already well-funded private schools than public schools. What justifies such an unfair bias? And people are surprised? This is just proof, if ever any was needed, of the liberal IPA belief in social Darwinism, which they fuel by such policies. It is the politics of greed and the few, or as Groucho Marx would say, the golden rule. Then that's got the gold, make the rules. Taxpayers should not be funding this private choice. It does not contribute to societal welfare. And JV says, it is a complicated question made less complicated by, say, a certain private school who seems to have so much money that they've brought a huge they bought a huge parcel of prime inner city land and planted a ginormous soccer field in the middle of it. Yet the local secondary school looks like it hasn't had a paint of a coat of paint in 20 years. And then Alex says, unfortunately, we're locked into this ridiculous system. Both of my kids went to a high fee paying private school and have since gone on to very high levels of university education. The truth is that their private school education was not that relevant and they learned most of their critical skills in a learning engaged family environment. The best thing would be to be would be to divert all this funding to the public system, creating a better system for everybody. If people want private schools, then they can pay the real fees, not subsidised by the taxpayer. And anyone, and before anyone comments about this socialist view, consider whether taxpayers propping up a system that can't actually be viable on its own is in fact socialism. And Neil says... The intention of the LNP coalition is to get as many parents to send their kids to private schools as possible to enable reduced public spending on education and therefore for wealthy parents to pick up their difference. Starving public schools of essential resources and making private schools as lavish and opulent as possible will provide the incentive for parents to make the move, unless, of course, you can't afford the fees. This will in turn justify reduced funding to the state governments for public education. How good is that, Mr Morrison? And then Reality Bites says, those that clap their hands loudest get the most money. 
And Peyton says the age of entitlement is well and truly chiselled into LNP voters. David G says, so all students should be funded equally, whether they are private or government? Let's forget about the large fees in the tens of thousands in some cases that parents of private schools pay to make their schools so incredibly unequal. In any other Western democracy, private schools are only government funded if they charge no fees. After all, they are businesses. GS says, taxpayers should not foot the bill for this personal choice. If I wanted to hire a private bodyguard instead of relying on the police, would I be entitled to a government subsidy? And Jim Bob says, life is unfair from an early age. I'm sick of my taxes paying for chance by private schools. Loopy says, I'm fortunate that my children go to one of the best primary schools in the country. It's public. But what I, I also see is that every time I see kids from the local high school, Camberwell High, I'm so impressed by them, even when they're in a group. I want to send my son to that school. We are zoned for it because of the kids there. The problems you allude, you're alluding to are just the tip of the iceberg. We need to support the public system because it is down to earth. And Jim Bob says, who gives a gonski? One, two, one or two would do. The conservatives born to rule attitude continues. Fairness, equity, not a concept worth understanding. Next government might fix it in time. This one is already a waste of time. Thank you very much, Doug. You're listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on AM Dial, and podcast on the www's, and also available at our little, 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 little website that we have, www.adogs.info. Yes, um, those aren't our views, those are the views of the quiet Australians. Everyone's getting a little bit sick of it, quite frankly. Um, we'll be changing tack um, after the break, because we're going to have a little break now. Um, changing tack after the break, and I'll be... Um, um, echoing the words of a great man of jurisprudence here in Australia, Sir Justice Kirby, who's decided to put his significant um, opinions um, into the ring when it comes to this whole religious freedom bill, this ability for people of religion to discriminate against other people of religion um, and, and then probably at some point determine which religion is the one that needs the most protection from discrimination from the other religions. Oh, my goodness. What, what, a, what a palaver. Um, that's my opinion. Um, Justice Kirby, you're about to find out what he says about the matter.
Each day is Valentine's Valentine. That's just absolutely wonderful. I know we've played it on the radio before. I don't care. I think it's worth revisiting because, I don't know, it takes me away. It takes me away from the vagaries and problems of education in Australia, <laughs> which means, of course, I am now going to take you right back into the middle of it. Because with the Religious Discrimination Bill, which is, I don't know, bobbing around like, a, like an old cork in a sewer as far as I'm concerned. I wish someone would just sort of like pick it out and put it in the bin. It's really not worth talking about. It's just silliness. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite virulent about this. I, I think it's one of those, oh, I don't know. You know, old people used to say, oh, we don't talk about those sorts of things. Um, there's a very good reason why you don't talk about whose God is best. You know, it's a perfectly legitimate conversation. It's a perfectly sensible thing to think about. But once you get an entire society engaged in the idea of my religious freedom is more important um, than your religious freedom and I'm going to take you to court uh, because my religious freedom says that I can sack you because you've got the wrong God. Um, or, or even I'm going to sack you because you don't have any gods. Um, you're, you're, you, you choose not to believe what I believe so therefore I can sack you. Oh and by the way, um, your wages are paid for by taxpayers' money. And that's the bit at the end which really gets to me. Quite frankly, if you run, um, I don't know, if you, if, if you run some sort of business or religious organisation, you say, look, you know, it would be really nice if everyone here sort of was on the same page when it comes to the shape, colour and size of God. Um, and everyone agrees that's a really nice idea. And I, I don't mean to be flippant about this because all of these things, um, I don't mean to be disrespectful, actually, about this, but, you know, people can and should and do, and are very welcome to gather and worship. Um, there are many places of worship around this country, um, and there are very many different ways of approaching um, what it is that God is. And 
Um, I don't really want to have to talk about that. That's what they do in, 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 in their places, in their houses, in their families. But it's it, not for the state to decide. No, the state should stay no, right out of no, anything to no. do with a person's conscience. Yes, I mean, if, if, if the government starts paying the, paying the wages of certain ministers um, of religion and not other ministers, well, 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 they'll be held to pay. So what Australia, what we do at the moment, is, is we pay them all. I mean, functionally, it's a business matter. I mean, the amount of money that goes to religious organisations in Australia to run some version of what they consider to be an inverted commas public service is, 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 is disgusting. It's billions. We pay many, many tens of billions a year to various religious organisations to run subsections of our schooling or subsections of our education systems. Um, and they insist on saying, oh, no, no, we're going to do it. You know, we, we are going to discriminate. We are going to be very, you know, we're not going to make any allowances in terms of how we spend our money. And in fact, in terms of specifically the Catholic education sector, we're not going to tell you how we spend it at all. Just give us money and go away. Um, and what does Michael Kirby have to say about all this? Well, I think, yes, I think a, a sort of a wiser head than mine um, should be allowed to talk about this. Um, and uh, Michael Kirby wrote a letter. He wrote a letter to the Australian Law Journal because Michael Kirby was a High Court judge and he is a lawyer. Um, he says, and I quote, I am, Michael, um, however, concerned at the overbalance of the articles in favour of the right of the proponents of religious freedom against inclusion of other points of view. He's referring to a particular article of the Australian Law Journal which dealt specifically with religious rights and discrimination law. He says, with the possible exception of articles um, by Anja um, Hinkenmeyer and Amy Maguire, and parts of the article by Harry Hobbs and George Williams, the strong bias in this particular um, edition of the Australian Law, Law Journal um, is, is in favour to enact a new special protections for the declining number of Australian communities who are religious. This will be at the cost of the rights of other groups in the Australian community, including women, LGBTQI citizens and other minorities who are all, as, quite, as Kirby quite rightly points out, citizens of our country. So much was expressed in the recent report of the Public Interest Advocacy Centre um, and there are many legal scholars in Australia who express such opinions but these have been omitted um, from the Australian Law Journal and this is of concern to me. Uh, so Justice Kirby says, the reason why Sir Owen Dixon in 1942 suggested the guarantees of personal liberty in the Australian con Constitution contained the probably unnecessary exception of a guarantee of religious freedom was because of the unduly narrow interpretation earlier given by the High Court and maintained hereafter in the language of Section 116 of the Constitution. On the surface, it looks like a very, very strong Bill of Rights Religious Freedom Clause. Yes. It's just that it was read down and out in the Dogs case in 1981 because the, the religious schools wanted to prove that they were not religious and they should get state aid for their schools, which aren't secular either and are certainly not open to all children. So um, uh, Michael Kirby is right when he says that uh, really... It has been read down and out. Hmm. Um, Owen Dixon um, in 1942 was also quite capable of saying this because the advance of secularism in Australia and the common conviction that religion in Australia was basically a private matter get best kept out of the public zone. If this was true, 
1942, it has certainly progressed in 2019. The last federal census showed that by far the fastest growing religious group in Australia is no religion. Um, I would have some issue with um, Michael Kirby over that, whether not believing in something can be defined as a category of belief. Um, but that's a sort of secular thing. Something about angels on a pin, I can't remember. Um, the numbers, number adhering to the position of no religion in Australia is 31%, and it's growing year on year. This gives contemporary support to the insistence of Lionel Murphy uh, that Section 116 of the Constitution extends not only to protect people with religious beliefs and practices, but also to protect people who don't have religious beliefs. This is the dissent in the Dogs case. Justice Murphy dissented against the other six judges and said that Section 116 was a Bill of Rights clause and state aid should not go to religious schools. Historically, the big push for protection of religious freedom reflects um, this in part, um, and it appears to have come out of the reason for the development of the United States of America following decisions by the US Supreme Court in Lawrence versus Texas back in 2008, striking down the criminal law against homosexuals, and the Obergefell and Hodges case in 2015, which uphold the rights um, of same-sex marriage in America. Having lost out on both those fronts, conservative politicians and religious groups in the United States have now gone on the offensive with demands for new religious freedoms for members of so-called faith communities so that they can continue their nasty and hostile campaigns against LGBTQI people and indeed against women's rights and others whom, for all sorts of reasons of their own devising, they dislike. Once the Australian government made it plain it would not permit religious schools to expel or to exclude young LGBTQI citizens on the basis of their sexual orientation of gender identity, it became clear and curiously inconsistent um, to permit the dismissal or exclusion of LGBTQI people, pregnant, unmarried mothers or unwed partners from the school staff. Now we are seeing the assertion that such beliefs trump the hurt and humiliation towards such people. LGBTQI people and others, um, because of the religious views of those people running, for instance, a private religious school funded by the taxpayer. That last little bit was me adding, Justice Kirby didn't say that. Um, I shouldn't editorialise, shouldn't I? Back, back, to the, back, to the, back to the words, very interesting words of um, Michael Kirby. Children and school pupils are not the only ones in society who deserve and need protection against hostile it is hostile, religious speech, um, because things can be both hostile and sincere. Uh, I think this is something that religious people have trouble with. Um, you can be completely sincere in your beliefs and completely hostile at the same time. Um, historically, this is manifested in many ways, most dramatically, I think, in the Crusades, which I'm sure was a deeply sincere venture. Um, and he... Justice Murphy mentions he recently attended the funeral of a young gay lawyer in Sydney who took his own life. Levels of suicide and attempted suicide amongst um, LGBTQI Australians, especially males, and particularly transgender people, are at much higher levels than the population's average. Hostility, isolation and religious hatred contribute to low self-esteem and clinical depression, providing legal protections to some religious adherents 
without the counterpoise of protecting the competing rights, and they are competing rights, in a comprehensive bill or charter of rights, is quite wrong in principle. Quite wrong, he says. Yet those who now demand legal protections for religious freedoms are often the very people who oppose most vehemently the attachment of a more calibrated, comprehensive charter of human rights that we have needed, according to Justice Kirby, in Australia for some time. I would agree with him. The push for legal protections for religious freedom came, out, came about in our Commonwealth as a direct consequence, and this is worth noting, as a consequence of Australians voting, or not voting, of Australians expressing themselves in a same-sex marriage non-binding survey in late 2017. And the enactment of equality of access in respect to marriage by the Marriage Amendment Act, again in 2017. Um, the Marriage Amendment Act, um, the short, tit- short title of the Act, he said, should be noted, is a product of a hostile religious assertion of a minority of conservative politicians. If enacted, the new legislation will introduce into Australia an unbalanced law that will sustain nastiness and hostility that we can do well without. Um, I am unconvinced that such newfound protections are really needed, and, and I see dangers in the present form of the proposed laws. A philosopher once said, The right to string my arm ends when I hit another's chin. Uh, Zelman Cohen, um, the right to string my arm, he gave that in a lecture in Calcutta in 1959. Thank you, Zelman. Intuitively, Australian secular community understood this and so enacted the anti-discrimination laws with the support of all major political parties to uphold this principle. Now they are being dismantled to give a free go to the religious arm swingers. If this move goes ahead, I predict that the result will be the rise of religious intolerance and anti-religious hostility will be replacing the more relaxed live-and-let-live tradition of modern Australia. This will also damage the principle of secularism, which is one of the most valuable gifts of the British tradition that has been provided to us, and we should be vigilant to preserve this. And I'll just take you back to what he said about what happened in 1942, where there was an assumption that we were a secular society, and so therefore particular protections just weren't, weren't, weren't appropriate. There was certainly the acceptance of separation of the religion from the state, Uh, in 1942, and that religion was a private, not a public matter, and certainly not a matter for the state. By getting into any kind of legislation dealing with religion, you are uh, cutting right across this, and you're going backwards, as far as I can see, into the religious wars of the past. Yes, indeed. Kirby says the new laws will support extreme assertions of religious rights by religious minorities who want to go around sincerely condemning others. Often based on previously obscure passages of religious text that the faith communities or their zealots invoke to defend their religious freedoms. Never forget that apartheid in South Africa was ultimately justified by a reference to religious condemnation of misenji and the race racial intolerance that was based on alleged inferiority of black people traced to the Christian Bible. Apartheid was theologically supported in South Africa. Passages of scripture can be found for just about every prejudice known to mankind. 
Um, also, for many goodnesses, but it is true, they, any passage can be, can be put to the use, can be used as a tool in the assertion of prejudice. They have been invoked against natural or innocent features of human nature or conduct such as left-handedness or indeed, as Justice Kirby says, masturbation. There is a need for considerable caution in elevating every religious opinion to an enshrined legal right to hurt and to harm. So that's the views of Michael Kirby. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Um, it gives me great pause for thought, and I think his words are far more measured than mine, um, and so therefore definitely worth listening to. But now we come to that wonderful time of our program where we just have a few minutes left to tell you about a great state school. Now, the great state school I'm telling you about no longer exists. Um, it was burnt down last week. But when it was alive, when it was alive as a school, it was great. And I don't want to memorialise it because um, the state government in Queensland, oh, sorry, the state government in New South Wales um, are going to be rebuilding this school. It's a tiny school. It had 15 kids in it and a teacher. I'd like to tell you about it after just this quick message. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really school. concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually, an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Great state schools up there in New South Wales. Um, you might have heard on the radio and the television and just about everything on the internet. Um, we're in the middle of fire season, like in the middle of fire season, at the beginning of November. Um, yeah, it's an issue. Um, well, 
there's been a school burnt down. It's a public school. It's a public school in Glen Innes Shire in New South Wales. And it's a little public school called um, Waitaliba. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks, Dale. You, you, you sold me that. I know Waitaliba very well. I've been there. It's a commune. It is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and I know the Waitaliba school very well. Yeah, it's not there anymore. Yeah. Oh, I'm, that's I'm, very I'm, sad. I'm sorry to say. It burned down a couple of days ago. Oh, thanks, Dale. No, it's an amazing place, actually, Waitaliba. Um, two people were killed in mm. Waitaliba, and it's a sad thing that those two people were killed. And the school burnt down. No, no, none of the children were hurt or harmed. None of the ten children who go to that school. It's a little country school. It's actually two buildings. Mm. And as you know, the grounds are lovely, aren't they? They can just oh, they can just. It's in, it's in the floor of a valley, yeah. and it's just trees and mountains and forests as far as the eye can see. Yeah, the concept of being in a little valley, protected from the world, and then and then the world comes crashing in. Mm. The sadness of it all. But do you know what? Part of that sadness is the greatness of Whitealaba Public School. I'll tell you about the kids there. There's ten of them. I won't, it's very difficult to talk about the averages, but like the Ixy Valley, the school's around about 800. Which is to say, <laughs> um, most of the kids there um, are what the Americans would used to call in the Depression dirt poor. Um, it ain't it ain't good when it comes to money and all that sort of stuff. But I'm sure in a commune, money ain't everything. Um, they have a in in that school. Um, three of those kids come from Indigenous backgrounds, so like it's it's a place locked in country um, as, as a community. And as Dale can tell you, I'm sure she can. The school and the community are one. It's just this place. It's not. It's not muck around stuff. There's not um, a Catholic school down the road trying to track no. people away. There's, <laughs> there's not a sort of a, 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 around the corner a lovely Anglican grammar school mm. which, is, which which takes off all the not people. Not a business and proposition, dear, not a business no, proposition. No, there's, there's no money there. So if there's no money there, of course, there's no private schools there. How much does it cost per student? 45000 Um Good. Money well spent. It is the duty of the state to educate to the highest quality possible all the citizens within it and their children. And that's exactly the mission that this school is, is, is all on about. Um, I don't care how much it costs um, because up there, up, up in those countries, um, there's not a school for ages. In fact, I happen to know that the kids now have to be bussed out. And it's a couple of hours each way, I'll tell you right now, to get to the next place to solve the problem. The state government has committed to rebuilding the school after the fires, which is straight up a brilliant thing. No question about that. But let me tell you a little bit more about this place. And, Dale, please feel free to jump in, because um, I've never been there myself. I've just had a look at it in terms of all the numbers, which is what I tend to do. Look, it's about, actually, I mean, you, you could imagine, one teacher, ten kids, it's about actually knowing the kid's name. Individual education, every child's needs are met through the resources that are put into the school and the teacher. The school provides a computer for every kid, a well-resourced library. Ten kids and a library. Do you know what? Yes, please. So many kids just don't get that experience. And many opportunities for students to enjoy excursions, sports clinics, technology, multimedia camps, creative arts and music camps, small schools, carnivals, inter-school activities. There's even a gifted and talented couple of students have been identified at that. And they're encouraged and supported and developed through their time at the primary school. Because remember, you've got the same teacher from prep three to grade six. Oh, they know the needs of the kids. Mm. Students participate in leadership programs. They can lead each other around. Who gets to go first in the line each day? But no, it's more than that, of course, because the school is in the community but looks outwards to find the resources it needs to support their children. Um, And it does this with children of similar ages from other schools around the area. 
Um, they provide and promote professional development for the teacher. <laughs> and this frequently gives opportunities for parents to become involved and to share, and for the parents, actually, to develop new skills themselves. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. There's a lot of contribution from the people who live on the commune to the school. So it's not just the teachers teaching. There's very much a oh, yeah. community yeah, element. Yeah. Absolutely. There's some very interesting people in this group too, isn't there? Mm. The there gentleman is gentleman who, who... And in fact, there's a oh. non-teaching support staff person who's employed specifically to do, amongst other things, just that. Um, you know, they're not there sort of dealing with the naughty kids up the back of the class because there are no naughty kids up the back no. of the class. Um, they're there to say, you know, who here's got some skills and they want to share? And the answer is, of course, yes, they do. So if you want to know all about permaculture gardening, yep, yep, no worries. If you want to know about environmental sustainability and healthy lifestyle and making sure you don't get all fat and eat too many chips, um, that you get that as well. Um, they're encouraged to develop a love. I mean, I sort of have love. Um, a love of learning. Mm-hmm. And develop self-confidence and find your own personal values in a primary school. And you can imagine very simply that that's what goes on. So congratulations. You are our great state school of the week. And how's it pronounced again, Dale? Waitalaba. No worries.
Ende.